Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 128. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, joined once again by my co-host, John White, at VJourneyman. Hey John, how's it going? I'm doing great, Nick. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and still remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. John, you're back. I'm back, baby. Where you been, man? <laughs> so I had real life intrude on me. Um, my wife and I were renting a house and our landlord told us that he wanted, he and the family who uh, were owners of the house had decided to sell and they were gracious enough to give us, um, you know, the required legal minimum plus as much time as we needed. But, you know, we, we were feeling the pressure and we it was, of course, like kind of a difficult housing market. And we, we went and bought a house um, and then needed to move. So probably during that moving time was the most intense uh, time crunch that I had and just couldn't, uh, something had to give and, and recording was uh, what gave. Totally understand. Totally understand. Well, it's great to have you back. Interestingly enough, back. yeah. Interestingly enough, we thought that we would actually talk about how the stress of moving affected career during this process, and then maybe a little inside baseball about uh, what happened with the podcast while you took a break and how that came to be. Yeah, sounds like a great topic. I'll let you go first. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so home buying stress. That was, um, you know, the moving, I think, was the thing that really, like, kicked it over to be honest. Um, the process of searching for house was pretty difficult. You know, we're in 2021, um, the first half of 2021. So, you know, COVID is still here with us and there's all kinds of restrictions on actually going in and seeing housing. And then the amount of time you can actually spend in a house to decide whether or not you want to buy it. And then, you know, there's so many people looking for houses and so few people um, trying to sell like actually, you know, wanting to sell. So, you know, a lot of pressure there. Um, so there's a time restriction on how long you can be in a house for a showing? I didn't oh, know yeah. this. At least in, in California right now, they're limiting times that, you know, basically they give you a 30-minute appointment with a real estate agent to, to show you around. So the real estate agent that you're using has to be there. Um, you have to sign all this paperwork saying that you are... Um, basically for each showing to saying, yeah, I, I haven't been, you know, I haven't tested positive for COVID in the last so many days and I, I don't have a cough or have any other symptoms and I haven't been exposed to somebody who's tested positive. Um, and then the agent, you know, gets the key code for the door and then uh, lets you in and walks around with you. So that process, they, they only give you 30 minutes because there's, so many people who want to see it. Um, so they only let in one interested party at a time. 
and they might even actually limit it based on people who have like loan pre-approvals. <laughs> I, I don't know actually about that. So I think they really only want people who are seriously looking to make a bid. This is kind of the, uh, the time, you know, that we're living through. So, um, you know, my wife and I went through that process, like that honestly was mostly on weekends, like seeing houses, but as, you know, it kind of came down towards the end of, you know, where we had to say, okay, you know, it's been 60 days since our landlord gave us notice. We should probably figure like, just, just find another place to rent for at least a year and, you know, be out of the buying market. Um, we did, you know, our real estate agent actually found us a place. Um, we bid on it, <laughs> you know, fairly quickly came to a decision, um, made a bid, um, had some negotiations, you know, but then had an offer accepted. And, and then we had uh, kind of 30 days of, you know, the closing process for, for loan approval and everything. And then uh, two weeks to move. That was kind of the timeline. And then, and in those past, those, the latter, the last two weeks, like that was when everything kind of kicked into high gear. So. Now, was it less stressful since you were renting and didn't have to worry about showing the place you were evacuating? I definitely think that that is the case. Yeah. Um, if, if that, if we had been trying to sell a place, um, then it would have been not twice as stressful. It would have been way more stressful because, you know, most of the time you have to uh, then turn around, like you have to sell your house first to then have the money to buy a house or um, make the sale of the place contingent on uh, you finding a new place to buy and, you know, or secure the rights to rent back the house that you you are selling for an undisclosed period of time. Like it's, you know, that gets really, really messy. Um, and it tends to scare people away. I, I know that, you know, when that was a complication on the place we ended up purchasing, like the owners would prefer to rent the place back. And we just didn't have the flexibility to, to let them do that um, as part of our offer package. Um, it just worked out. I think they ended up finding another place immediately. So it worked out for all of us, but yeah, that complication would have been way, way more stressful because we would have had to have been essentially packed and moved out and had it staged and, you know, for people to walk through. So basically I found another place to live while it was being sold. Oof. Yeah. Very, very complex. Thankfully we didn't have to do that. And if you're showing your house, you know, you get notifications sometimes like maybe just 30 minutes before people are going to show up and you've got to figure out how to get out of there. And Yeah. All the places that we looked at that were owner-occupied, essentially you had to give them at least 24 hours notice so they could um, skedaddle because, you know, that was also part of basically, I think, uh, California's code restrictions was that it was like one household at a time was in the place. Yeah. Well, and even pre COVID, it's kind of a faux pas to be in the house you're trying to show to someone else during the showing, you know? So we'd have to like go get, I remember it's been a few years. We'd have to go get the cat, make sure she was 
locked up or, you know, put her in the car with us and just uh-huh. drive around for a little while. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, you know, you mop the floor or sweep the floor on your way out just to make <laughs> sure everything is super clean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just really glad we didn't have to do that. Um, we're, I am a first time home buyer. So it was going from congratulations. Level, yeah. Thanks. Um, and very, very happy to have gone through the process. And what, what day and time should all our listeners be at your housewarming party? Yeah, we're having a housewarming party, everybody. Yeah, it's going to be online and virtual, unfortunately. No, we're not doing that. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, anybody who does know me after after COVID times, will, you know, please feel free to hit me up. Or if you, if you only vaguely know me, I'm still happy to have you over. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think worked to our advantage was that we had this, you know, loan closing process, which takes 30 days. And then like, um, I guess, I think I said earlier that it was two weeks after loan close that we were moving, but it was really, it was like five days. <laughs> um, so the, like the loan was closing on a Monday and our, we were turning over the rental to the landlord on a Saturday. There's a pretty short t- short overlap there, and uh, but we knew that we were moving for the entire 30 days ahead of time, right? Because they had accepted our offer, so we spent that whole 30 days packing, and that was, I think, where I ha- I ran out of time to do the podcast. So it was during the run up to loan close the moving and then the kind of unpacking period and we're about three weeks past that and i don't think anybody can fault you for not being dedicated enough to the podcast even me john (laughs) well i i did um i did take a break but i did miss it and i missed talking to the guests listening to the conversations going oh if only this question i was there to ask this question i want to know but i also let go of that (laughs) <laughs> there you go but um if anybody's thinking about you know moving during a hot housing market in a global pandemic i i recommend that you do not unless you don't have another choice that's just me it makes sense i i would say that on the topic of how it affected career i was fortunate enough to work for an employer and have a manager who was you know super understanding about the process um so soon as I knew that it was something that was going to happen, um, my manager, I told my manager, he was super congratulatory and he really emphasized that I needed to, you know, spend time, <laughs> you know, moving effectively and take time off and just let him know what I needed. So um, that was great. And, you know, I the, the sales rep that I work for, same thing. You know, he just wanted to, um, you know, be super supportive. So I felt supported by my employer, which was great. And then I felt supported by my podcast partner, which was also great. So I'm very, very grateful to everybody. And that definitely includes you. Well, thanks, John. It was my pleasure, sir. Yeah. Now I was disappointed at the, uh, the listenership surge that happened immediately after I, I stopped joining the recording sessions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I was that actually did happen though, and I, it was super exciting. Um, I was like, "Wow, that's amazing! We're finally hitting." 
Well, isn't it that the negative emotions are more impactful than positive ones? So I was just playing on the fact that you weren't here and people were on the edge of their seat waiting for you to come back. And that's why they decided they recruited other people to listen. That's what it was. Yeah, the the Nerd Journey drama, right? That was all over Twitter. Exactly. All over Twitter. Yes. Hashtag where the journeyman was trending. We can't even count the number of DMs that have come in asking where John is. I just didn't have time to go through it. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. We'll we'll try to go through the backlog of of messages and people who've reached out. It's tough to keep up with all the fan mail. Oof, uh, yeah. You know. On a serious note, though, I remember the day that you told me you needed to take a break, and my first thought was, "Is it going to offend you if I said, hey, I'd like to keep going until you come back?' Because I feel like." we're making an impact and it seems like it's helpful to our audiences and maybe I can keep this train going until you're ready to come back. Right. But uh, I I was worried about that. You know, I was worried I was going to hurt your feelings. Yeah. I was actually shocked at that, but I I guess in retrospect, I understood um, that you would be concerned, but I think that both of us, for both of us, the motivation and the focus has always been on finding interesting stories, finding things that helped people that could help people in a way that, you know, telling our stories and helping other people tell their stories could help people. So it was never about, you know, like, oh, I want to be featured on something. Right. So because the focus was on helping people and you're like, hey, I think I can keep going and keep on helping people like that was kind of like awesome and exciting. And I was kind of really in the back of my head worried that, um, you know, the impact would, you know, would mean that we'd be stopped, you know, the the podcast would stop. Um, So it was super exciting and positive to hear that you wanted to try to keep on going. Again, I, in retrospect, I understood why you had that reaction. Like uh, maybe like there'd be like an ego impact, but I, that was the last thing on my mind. <laughs> well, I was glad. I, f- I felt really relieved because, you know, it wasn't it wasn't egotistical for me to carry it forward. It was just, it, I guess you'd call it a labor of love, really. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. been been doing it long enough. And uh, honestly, if you've been if you've been listening closely, you would know that up to that point, when John took a break, he was the editor. He edited every. 112 episodes prior to his departure or small departure. Right. (laughs) And that takes, that takes a ton of time. And one thing I never did, and I was okay with not knowing how to edit selfishly, (laughs) you know, I would do the notes and I would pass them to John and he would be kind enough to do the editing. And I was like, okay, I should probably learn how to edit anyway. I think I brought it up once or twice and I just never did. And so I said, all right, John, don't spend too much time on this. Take 30 minutes and pretend you're going to get hit by a bus after the 30 minutes is up. Tell me everything I would need to know to edit the podcast. Right. And I think you did a pretty good job documenting it. Hopefully. Um, you know, it's part of our jobs, right? Is like to, um, is pre-sales engineers is to absorb knowledge and then be able to train somebody else to hopefully, you know, have that knowledge, at least a, um, a starting place for them to explore new technology. So 
it kind of is what we kind of do every day. You know, it's just not the topic that we usually deal with every day. So I felt like I had kind of digested down all the important things that I had learned. And I know that I didn't because you came back and asked me about stuff. And I was like, oh, wait, this is actually super a super important thing that I didn't document for you, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, in, in the process. So, um, you know, it was, uh, again, it was an iterative process, right? But, um, you know, it was, it was kind of cool. You know, I, again, it, something that comes up often is like, do you really know how to do something if you can't teach somebody else to do it? Sometimes the process of teaching somebody else how to do it really cements, you know, some things that were, you know, unconscious in your, your own process. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I didn't even have audacity downloaded to my computer. So I had to start with that and import the audio and, and I didn't actually know about the normalization of levels that you had done previously. We, you know, we went through that and, and what I told John was I wasn't going to bother him unless I had a question that I really needed an answer to. And it was more just a quick message here and there answer when you can. Mm -hmm. So I did my best and here we are. <laughs> I, I will say that something weird happens when you go from just doing show notes to doing show notes and editing. Like you start to hear more stuff than you did before. I, I don't know if it's just a natural byproduct, but I could hear more silences. I could hear more of the filler words that I might use or a guest might use. And, you know, it just, those things are, it's like they're louder in some way. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, probably one of the things that you notice is when people talk over each other, because you know that that's a task that you need to handle afterwards. Like every time two people are talking over each other, that is work for you. So uh, when you hear it and you know that that's the case, you try to avoid doing it. Um, but that's just, you know, listening with a critical ear is, it's just something that you have to learn how to do. And there's nothing quite like having to go back and listen to it over and over again to try to get an edit correct. Uh, you know, or sounding better or the best version that you can uh, render um, to, to train that critical ear. And hopefully it also helps you get it right when you're speaking. It, it doesn't actually, you have to practice that as a completely separate skill. But, you know, there is something about trying to speak and listen with a critical ear at the same time. Like that's a whole other level. It, it definitely is not something that I'm a black belt at, you know, it's just something that you have to practice. Wasn't it Kenny G who had this breathing technique where he would play his saxophone, but like he was somehow able to inhale at the same time and keep playing for a long time. I forget what, the breathing technique was like a circular breathing. It's pattern, called circular breathing. Yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. Doing two things at once. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And, and I will say maybe it's the editor's curse, but I, I think that I was making a lot more edits because I was hearing a lot more stuff. And to your point, you know, you go back and you say, all right, did I cut out too much silence? Are those too close together to where they don't sound right? 
Right. You listen to it again and again and again. And then you add your intro and outro music and line things up appropriately. So it does take time. But it was, I tell you what, man, I learned a ton, ton of of different things. I am certainly not a master in any way, shape, or form. But hopefully if you've listened to anything since episode 113, that it's that it sounds decent. That's my only hope and, <laughs> and that it was helpful to you out there. Well, I, I mean, I think the first triumph is to have anything at all, right? Because that means you've gone through the process and you've been able to turn out a product. And I was super happy that that happened, you know, because I was contemplating having to take a break and thinking, well, this isn't going to happen at all. But the fact that you're able to, um, I think the first episode that you edited was one that we had both recorded and I was just starting to run out of time more and more. And um, you volunteered to take that over. And it was just an incredible um, gift for me because I was running up against some mental barriers at that moment. And, you know, to have that um, be your first episode that you edited with um, at least three people talking, right? So there's three different audio tracks that you had to to juggle that that it's pretty uh pretty rough because you know before we were doing um i think i was cutting my teeth it was just you and i and when yep. it was just you and i we would record our intros and our outros naturally as part of the entire recording process so we didn't have to drop in intros at the beginning and drop in outros at the end so you know, that was like a big big thing to do all at once yeah that's a great point and i'll i'll say that it's different when you're interviewing one person and you don't have your co-host so it's one of those things where i got to make sure i'm asking good questions and that there's not a lull in the conversation and you know i don't have john's thoughtful comments to bounce off of because while he's talking i'm thinking and hopefully vice versa and we get ideas from each other so trying to bounce back and forth with the guest and help them tell their story to everybody who's listening. Yeah. Now the, the dirty secret is that when you are interviewing somebody on your own or even with a, a co-host, you know, those lulls in conversation, you can just edit it out. Right. So yep. um, the secret and the key is to, to make those things sound natural and dynamic. So you can be excited by something that a guest says and then be so excited about it that you can't formulate a good question. So you, it tumbles out and you're not happy with how you asked it. And then you say, hold on, give me a second. Let me reformulate how I'm going to ask you that question. You know, I just, I'm, I don't have a, a good way to say it yet. And then you have to work on it and then you do work it out. And then you edit out all of the stuff where, <laughs> that that all the all the bad stuff right but even that is a skill to get to to like be able to talk through it yeah and i'm still working on that one still iterating through the process <laughs> and it you know it's like we've told some of the guests you have a rough outline of what you think the show will be but sometimes you hear something that you didn't expect and we just we just go down the rabbit hole with you because it's really interesting stuff and a lot of times it just works itself yeah, out very very true and we get great stuff. I mean, that's my opinion. I'm, I'm biased, of course. Well, I think that one of the things that's been exciting for me is exactly that. You know, 
we don't know everything that the the guest is going to say and we don't have all the details you know otherwise you know, I don't know, may, maybe in network television, you know, there's a producer who's doing a pre-interview and they know everything that that's going to be said, you know, um, ahead of time, right? But we don't have that luxury. That's not the industry that we're in. And, and maybe that's not even accurate, right? A lot of the stuff that we're hearing from guests, we're hearing for the very first time, we might have a rough idea of what they're going to say because they've written a blog post or we've heard them talk about something in another interview or they've given a talk about something. So we wanna cover the topic and we have a general idea of what they're going to say, but we're also interested in pulling out something new. So we're going back and asking them about career path because maybe that's, that wasn't covered in a specific you know, technical topic. Um, and then they talk about some port you know, inflection point in their career and something that they learned. And maybe that's the seed of, you know, where the topic, the technical talk that they they gave came from or, or, or something along those lines. And, and, and that's kind of the nugget of gold that we're looking for. Right. Yeah. And I think that there's something important to call out here. When you take on extra work, it can have different impacts to your life and everything else. And interestingly enough, while I was doing this, uh, I thought, okay, this is taking a good amount of time. I'm, I'm slow at it. I'm not fast, right? And then Josh Duffney says one of his favorite books is Give and Take. And I start reading Give and Take by Adam Grant. And so he talks about the way people give can actually energize mm. them. So if I take my hobby, the podcast, mm-hmm. right? But in in this case, while John's not here, I'm doing it to help a friend. I'm doing it to help John and everybody else at the same time. Though it may have been extra work and extra time for me, I didn't care about that. It energized me because I was trying to help John and I wanted to help everybody else at the same time. Uh, While I did question, you know, can I sustain this for a long period of time, um been able to so far. So the, the energy level is still high. <laughs> the tank is not right. empty. There's no burnout, even though there was extra work. Yeah. Well, I think that it is a realistic question to ask though, right? You know, cause finding guests doing pre-interview, you know, having them scheduled, um, doing the interview, you know, then doing notes and edits, like that is a huge amount of work and to sustain doing that, you know, and turning out product on a weekly basis is, you know, it's it's pretty daunting, right? And I would say that, you know, we've got we've had gaps even with the two of us doing it. So for you to just keep keep on, you know, being able to do something, it, it's been pretty, pretty mind-boggling. And you know, I just appreciate it. Greatly, I, I hope you you know that I've appreciated it, <laughs> and I've been excited to. Oh listen. yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, man. Never question that. I just hope that it, you know, I did you justice, did a good job for you while you're away on sabbatical. <laughs> sabbatical. That's a word I should have used. <laughs> exactly. So, um, some some lessons learned that you know I will, uh, um, apply. You know, it's mostly about moving is definitely hire movers. If you have the ability to do so, it takes a lot of the headaches out of the process. Um, pack over a period of time instead of uh, frantically and like at the very end. 
and every move is a chance to purge stuff that you don't actually need. And and maybe that should extend to, you know, throughout your your existence in general is, you know, question whether you need stuff. Um, how does that affect one's career? I think maybe you could um, draw the exact same analogy to a career. You know, every time you um, take a new position or you're thinking about taking a new position, you know, look at your your collection of tools that you use in your job and, and, and think about whether those are things that you actually want to persist over into a new position and what it is, what is just, you know, cruft that, that can be purged um, and, you know, things that you can start fresh with. Yeah. From my side, lessons learned in, uh, we'll say collaborative projects. Make sure that if you're doing a collaborative project with someone that you understand the ins and outs of the work stream. And shame on me for not knowing that until I 100% needed to. You know, I learned I learned a ton, but I learned a ton because I forced myself to. And I wish I had forced myself to earlier. Well, I think in your defense, you know, we both had pretty high workloads just doing the stuff that we were doing. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Um, but I am certainly glad that uh, you had the experience of editing. Um, I thought that we've been both pretty decent about having good audio. I don't know about me right now because I still haven't unpacked my good microphone. Um, but I have to say that I've listened to other podcasts where there's two co-hosts or two people talking and one of them clearly has never edited because you can hear them turning away from the mic, um, varying the volume that they're speaking at, like, unreasonably getting unreasonably loud and unreasonably quiet. <laughs> it's just stuff that if you ever edit, you, you don't do anymore. Right. Um, I, I never thought that that was a problem with you, but I'm sure that, um, you know, the experience is going to improve both of us. Yeah, I think so too. And man, you just, you learn so much from interviewing these people sharing their stories and then you get to listen to it again yes a few more times before it even gets published and then you know you're probably going to listen a little bit to the finished product so a lot of that is is the way that we both remember what previous episodes contained oh hey we had this guest on before and they talked about x and it was this yeah. episode and because we had decent notes on it <laughs> we can go back and find that really quickly. I, I have to give you kudos for doing the, the show notes. Um, you know, the 99% of all the show notes have been done by Nick. And it, I think there are probably people out there who consume our content mostly by reading the show notes and not actually listening to the audio. I, I know that there's people who have told me that that's exactly how they consume you know, so, so they don't know that we do a podcast or, you know, peripherally, peripherally for them, they know that it's a podcast, but mostly it's a blog, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> but I know that. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing, really. <laughs> well, I, I know that there's definitely podcasts that I consume mostly by show notes. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it may be just like a faster way to get to the specific content or answer a specific question that you're looking for, or maybe 
you know, with the time codes in the show notes, the way that we do them, um, you know, somebody can skip to a specific section and listen, just listen to, you know, the part of the discussion where we cover something, you know, very, very specific that they're looking for. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's been beneficial all around. If you out there, dear listener, um, interact with our podcast in a non-traditional way, I very, very much like to hear it. Like, you know, how the show notes do or don't benefit you. You know, maybe you've never looked at the show notes at all and, and didn't realize that Nick was doing like this amazing, you know, job of detailing everything that, that we discussed. Um, but maybe you have, and maybe it's been a huge benefit. And we'd certainly really like to hear back. Um, so, you know, leave it in the comments and uh, don't forget to smash that subscribe button and hit the bell for notifications. Um, smash that subscribe button. Right. Uh, hey, Nick, maybe we should do a YouTube channel. Um, obviously, I've been watching a lot of YouTube apparently lately. So I'm all about smashing that subscribe um, button. Yeah, I'll... Uh... We would just do the YouTube channel f so that people could subscribe, right? That's the only reason, so they could smash the That's subscribe really, button. I think it would just be a channel of us saying, "Hey, don't forget to smash that subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified every time we have nice. a new video." Everybody, right yeah. now we don't have videos out, so we we could put that in the idea list that continues to grow that probably won't yeah, ever go away. Definitely. Hey, listeners, if you want us to do a video, um episode or have a YouTube channel. Um, or if you want to witness us recording all of this on Twitch live and think that we should do a Twitch channel, let us know. Go ahead and uh, tweet at Nerd Journey. We'd love to hear how you prefer to interact with our content. Yeah, sounds good. And if you have a story that needs to be told about career advice that you wish you could give the community, we want to hear from you. We want to have you on the show. We want to enable you to tell that story. And we're going to chase you down the rabbit hole that you didn't expect. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's about time to wrap up, do you think? I think so. All right. So uh, just a reminder again uh, that we'd like people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening or, uh, you know, reading the show notes. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore for the one and only John White at B Journeyman signing off. Adios. Adios.